It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. This is another edition of Frontline Friday with my noted guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you? Andy, I am doing great. Good morning. Where in the world are you today? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Actually, that's um, right. Where are you today? Which coast are you on? I am actually in San Diego. San Diego, wonderful. West Coast office for the next couple weeks. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Yeah, a lot, a lot of San Diego weather's always perfect, blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> it sounds like, though, that you're going to be inside your studio for most of the day today. So I, I you, may not, you may not be out. People, I don't want people to think that you're out there uh, surfing, but you, rather you are inside. Yeah, not, not surfing. Not surfing. God, never. I've surfed, but I'm not a, not a habitual surfer. But um, yeah, I could be outside riding my bike or going for a long run. So we probably shouldn't talk about that. I think that'll just make you feel badly. <laughs> well, no, I, I had, all these things you could be doing. Yeah, let's well, uh, early day today. I I had a great bicycle ride yesterday, and and uh, yeah, I'm due for a day off actually. So good. Well, it's it's coming up. Need a recovery. Need a recovery. It's coming day. up. That's right. right. I get it. So we're going to lead off with another question that was submitted, and uh, this one sort of interesting question, a little more broad to some degree, but it speaks specifically to sales. And the question was, how do I become an expert? Right? This person's in a sales field and want to know how do they increase their perceived level or how they're perceived by the customers? How do they increase that level of of expertise that's perceived by their customers, real or, or actual, I guess? Um, and I thought, interesting question. So that is an interesting question. And I misunderstood the question at first until you explained it, because there's a difference between how to become an expert and how can I be better perceived as an expert, Okay, which are two different things. Sure. So answer, answer, answer either one of those. Well, it's interesting. I... I um, we're doing some training for our SDR team and we have, we're using winning by design. Mm-hmm. Um, Jocka, who's fantastic, just doing this very tactical training for them. And he was talking about this. How can you be perceived? You're, you're an SDR. It's an entry level role. Um, how can you be perceived as an expert? How can you gain credibility? And it's interesting that you bring this up because this is very fresh in my mind, is he had said, he he told them one phrase to use, which is when when he's taking them through this uh, uh, sort of framework on asking questions and, you know, finding out like two situation questions to get to the problem, to get to the value, blah, blah, blah. So when you identify the problem, when they've, when they've told you what the problem is, he said, he, he, advi- he told the SDRs, 
the phrase that you say then is, yes, I hear that problem. You repeat the problem back a lot. I hear that a lot from other people who I talk to. And he said immediately, that simple phrase gives the other person this, the perception that, oh, you know something about broader field just by one simple phrase. So I, that's one thing that just comes to mind as a, as a, uh, more of a a trick maybe Mm -hmm. in terms of Mm -hmm. of perception. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think to be perceived as an expert, it is important to have, to do your homework, to have context, to be able to bring in and tie together things that you've heard from other prospects and customers that could be relevant. So to be able to provide something broader that you're being able to offer to that uh, prospect or customer that they see, uh, it's like a teacher being one step, one lesson ahead of the student. You need to be a step ahead. Typically, if they are talking to you, the salesperson, you are going to know a bit more about something. And that's 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 what makes that's what makes the conversation interesting and why there would be an exchange of value. Yeah. What would you say? What would you say? (laughs) Yeah. Why am I just sitting here? So exactly. Exactly. Get off your butt and do something, Andy. So so I think that one of the keys to being perceived an expert and becoming an expert is, and this is actually sort of complaint to the topic we talk about today, which is you have to be widely read Mm. about Mm -hmm. not just what you're selling, the product area that you're in, the services, the industry that you serve, but widely read in general. Because I think that one of it, to my experience, you know, one of the ways that customers think that they're dealing with someone who, who is an expert, who is a step above perhaps is people that have a bigger, broader worldview. Because certainly the context of what you're helping create context for a decision somebody's going to make, and being able to bring in uh, disparate information sources to help make the case, other than just your standard ROI justification, uh, really makes the customer's eyes light up and say, "Ah, this person gets it in a way that that the other people I'm talking to don't." And so I think that that this you know read stay current on current events, uh, and not just current events, you know, relative to the news, but, you know, technology development, what's happening in science, you know, be curious. And that curiosity, if you have that curiosity and it's reflected in, in just what you say to the prospect, their perception of you as an expert uh, really starts to grow. And because I, I think people define expert as not just having deep knowledge, at least I do, is just not just deep knowledge in a single topic, but that, yeah, they have that, but it's it's supplemented by broader knowledge as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, as, as you've said, um, being an expert is not, sometimes being an expert, it is deep. And there are experts that have very, very deep knowledge, and there are experts that have very broad knowledge. And I think in sales, having there's some level that you have to be deep in terms of the product and the market, et cetera. But I think having the broader 
sort of knowledge and awareness is is also critical because you're going to be dealing with a lot of customers in different industries and different situations and they're going to have different backgrounds and the broader your knowledge is the more likely it is that you're going to be able to find common connections and 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 places to interact with them on a different level that as you say just increase the perception that here's a person who's who's knowledgeable who's interested who's interesting, who's curious, and that maybe I, I can learn something from. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before on the show, but I always hearken back to this uh, quote from Aldous Huxley, who was a famous uh, British author, is, was, uh, you know, you should know something about everything and everything about something. Hmm, love it. And I think that's, that's a great quote. And I think if you want to be perceived as an expert, that's, that's where you want to be. Yeah, that's a great quote. That's a great quote. Words to live by. Words to live by. All right. So that ties to what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk again another sort of edition of our Frontline Friday book club and talk about uh, books we've read recently that that we found interesting. And in some cases, might be a sales book, might not be a sales book. So uh, what's your voracious reader? You just spent weeks on an airplane flying to and from Russia Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you read? Well, when I was flying to and from Russia, I read Catherine the Great, which is a fascinating book. Perhaps not as many lessons and relevance for this group. I read a book called Could be some leadership Aunt- leadership lessons, perhaps. She was in, she was fantastic. I mean, she was, she a, was a, one of the well, wasn't she made the one of the first? Because I was Russia had been fairly patriarchal. Wasn't she one of the first uh Female rulers. Um, she wasn't. She wasn't the first. She came right after um, Elizabeth, but she was an early. There were not many of them. Mm-hmm. And what I love about those women is they were very ah, astute and clever in orchestrating their rise to power. So it didn't just happen that she woke up and was the ruler of Russia one day, uh, the Empress. She. She, she she did some uh, organizing and orchestrating in the background <laughs> to make sure that that was going to happen. So she there was, was lots of managing interest. her own career. She was definitely she was brilliant at managing her own career. And talk about Andy, someone who was um, curious mm-hmm. and well read, and it, it, that was actually one of her defining characteristics is that she was extremely well read and very interested in a lot of different in a lot of different things um, that made her a very effective it made her effective uh, ruler it made her an effective negotiator it made her an effective collaborator um, just so that was that was really that was really fascinating the other one, I read a bunch of books. I read a book called Encore, which is about, you know, where people are working longer. Mm-hmm. And so what, working how do you think longer into their lives? Working longer, like they're not retiring as early. And how do... To the chagrin of, <laughs> of people that are younger than them, I'm no doubt, right? I know. I know. Well, and so, so it was just interesting to think about how, you know, in, in the spirit of how do you, managing your career... For those listening that maybe are not 
early on in their career. Maybe they're maybe they're later in their career and thinking about transitions. It's how to think about transitioning to maybe something new. Maybe you've been doing sales for 30 years and you think, okay, I want to work for another 10. What are, what are some ways for me to transition into that? So that was an interesting read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then a book was given to me by one of my sales reps that he really enjoyed because we read here and at Sumo Logic, everybody knows I'm an avid reader. We talk about books all the time. We've got a, a book library that we share. And so it's, it's a big topic around here. And one that one of the reps gave me was uh, The Last Season by Phil Jackson, an NBA uh-huh. coach. Uh-huh. And again, I don't want anyone to think, again, I always say if my sons were listening, they would be laughing hysterically when I am talking about a professional basketball team. Well, hey, but there's some really. Bill Walsh's book is already on your list. We've spoken about Bill, that in the past. We've talked about that one. We've got there's several thing, coaches. You've got a thing for coaches. I do. I do. I, I think that. We'll have to it, explore that. It's so relevant. It's so relevant to management and sales and winning and high performing teams and teamwork and getting people to perform at their best and motivation. There's so much. I, I love reading. I love reading about them. A lot of it goes over my head, but those are three. But before I get into any of any more of those, what about you? I'm, I'm I, I I always love to hear what you're reading as well. Well, let's see. Um, you know, I have a sort of have to read for sometimes for doing this podcast because I interview a lot of authors, and I can't read everyone's book, but I I do read many of them. And one recently that was really interesting, I really enjoyed was uh, by David Brock, his new book uh, called The Sales Manager Survival Guide. Actually, it's going to be the first of a series of books, I believe, from Dave. And it really breaks down, starts in basics about what what it is man, sales managers do, right? It just starts right at the base level, makes sure really understand. Cause, and what she says is, you know, manager's job is getting work done through others. And that's the hardest thing for especially for managers that have been promoted up through sales is to learn and then goes into a deep dive about difference between coaching and managing and a lot of great section on coaching which i think any sales managers out there or aspiring sales managers should pick up the book and read because that that section alone i think is worth the the price of admission and because as we've talked about and i've Interview on interviews, other interviews that I've done with with people on the show, is we've talked about this, you know, how coaching is, you know, some of a lost art, and there's a lot of focus being paid to it, attention being paid on it now because uh, it makes a difference, right? If it's done well, it makes a huge difference in terms of productivity and performance. So David just has a great, great section in there about how to coach. Um, mm. So I thought that was was very interesting book. Another one. Um, I read which uh, had did an interview with the author called The Machine, and the subtitle is A Radical Approach to the Design of the Sales Function by a gentleman named Justin Roth Marsh. And it's about sales process engineering. And it's it's sort of starts by debunking this idea of sort of the what he calls sort of the myth of the heroic sales type. You know, that that salespeople think they're these autonomous free agents. And yeah, you know, in his mind and based on his experience, 
working with companies that he does is that that you know they're just a I don't say this you know the wrong way not just a cog but you know there's part of the overall process of serving a customer's needs and so he he dives into a model that he advocates for very highly specialized uh, highly standardized roles for sales and it's fascinating uh, to read because it's perhaps a look at at the future as we spoke about in a previous episode, perhaps a look at the future and as we become more data-driven and more specialized in the roles we undertake in selling. Fascinating. I'm going to pick those up because, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm always uh, looking for new ones to read and add to the, to the bookshelf here. Yeah, and I think that when you read The Machine is, is one of the thoughts that comes to mind because, you know, obviously you're – you run a SaaS sales organization. Um, yeah, we've a lot of focus on that, a lot of talk about that, certainly on this show and others. And this really says, well, that, hey, that's sort of a good beginning, but it goes even further in terms of the specialization of roles and so on. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a good read for anybody to, who's interested in how sales can evolve and perhaps should evolve and well worth, well worth uh, checking out. Is it a is it is it positive? Like is it is it a doom and gloom? No, no, no. Is this he is, predicting, this is, this or is, is he is he saying? This is what he implements. This you know he's hired by companies to come in and re-engineer their sales process, and uh, yeah, it, the end result is they tend to look a lot different than what they can eventually do. And he's saying that that by doing this, by this this increased specialization, that the company benefits from better productivity, better performance, better results, better alignment of all departments in pursuit of a common goal. Love it. I love it. the The title of it, the machine, I will say, for me, I don't want to say it's off-putting because I'm I'm I I love the data part and I love the data part. I love the optimization part. I love all of that, the alignment part. Um, but when I think about the sales rep, the individual, the thought of the machine um, makes it sound almost like, ugh, this is going to be a really horrible role. <laughs> I mean, that's why I wonder, does it just sound like, okay, here we've no. got, okay, cog A, cog B, okay, you're cog C, and just keep cranking out, just keep working on this assembly line. That's why I'm curious. I'm, yeah, it's, no, I, it's actually, I think he would say, and, I, and you get a sense of this from reading the book, is that, that what it really does is put people in the roles that they're best suited for and give them really just the freedom to focus on doing what they are best at. Okay. Because it takes, I mean, it's, it's a, it takes all the extraneous off their plate and without getting into the details of how he engineers that it's, it's what's the author's name, Justin. And then the last name for people listening, that's a hyphenated last name, Roth, R O F F hyphen Marsh, M A R S H. Okay. Okay, good. I'm I'm on it. 
Okay, sorry, keep going. You were, I interrupted you. No, no, that's so, do you have another book? Well, I, I, I think talking a little bit about uh, Phil Jackson's book and the last season, and, and it, it's interesting because when you were talking about uh, David Brock's book, and you you talked about uh, one of the chapters in there, coaching versus managing, mm-hmm. and you know, going back to why I read all these books, and it's not necessarily intentionally, but uh, about coaches is because coaching is such an important aspect, and so looking at professional teams and who. And and coaches who've really done it successfully, what are they doing there um, that that we can apply to business? And a couple of things from Phil Jackson's book that that I really appreciated. Uh, first of all, he had to manage some big egos there. Yeah, and Shaq, Kobe, Shaq at the same time. And they're kind of fights with one another. And that's not unlike what you get in on a sales team when you've got a lot of egos and you've got sort of people vying and, and, and wanting to be number one. And how do you how do you do that? And how do you how do you create a team as opposed to like you, he, he was t- he talked a lot in the book about having to balance the, working together as a team and not just wanting to feed the stars, feed the Shacks, feed the Kobe's. And part of what the franchise wants is that the Shack and the Kobe's, they, they, they sell tickets and people want to see them be, you know, big, bigger than life. And, but they also want them to win. And it, it's just an interesting, interesting balance. I think you know, I think about that with uh, relative to even Sumo Logic. When we've got we've got different departments and we've got different teams, and and how do we work together and yet independently for the greater good of Sumo Logic? How do we really play as a coordinated as a coordinated team? Right. So I, I just I I found it really in just interesting and inspiring, and he. You know, he talks a lot about, and again, interesting to get in a from a coach, but how really important he calls it leading from the inside out, and that it's it's really leading with heart and his genuine interest and concern about players and the team and their best interests, and that's not something you can you can really fake. No, and he's probably wishing he were back coaching after two years as president of the New York Knicks. So, yeah, though they've made some hopefully positive moves as a part-time New York resident, uh, some interest in the Knicks, and hopefully they've made positive moves this summer. So, um, yeah, I was going to say just briefly, the last book I was going to talk about in the few minutes we have left is a new book by Barbara Weaver Smith. She had written Whale Hunting about uh, selling major accounts. And mm. new book, uh, Whale Hunting with Global Accounts, and mm. f- subtitle Four Critical Sales Strategies to Win Global Customers. Now, Whale Hunting was yeah, one of the seminal books in major account selling. Uh, here, she had some really interesting things uh, to talk about. 
just sort of said four critical sales strategies for capturing global accounts. But I thought it had some some interesting things for people, especially people involved with uh, again a more complex sale, mm. uh, longer sales cycles, and because we have this obsession with sales process, I talk about sales process all the time as well, and it's important to be defined. But you know, she really injected some really interesting uh, reality <laughs> into into the process because she talks about it. she says you know the the longer the buying process, then the less obviously that that the sales process can be defined by you know discrete steps because yeah, at a certain point you might have a stage, but you don't know what the next step is, right? In advance. And so really that it requires a different type of account planning to operate mm. in that environment, which again I think for people that sell complex accounts, it's it's a great perspective, something worth buying the book, reading. Uh, the other thing she talked about that I thought was really interesting for, again, for people in the complex sale, and it's that she says, you know, as you, again, as you get into a longer sales process, is that something has to sustain the prospect's interest. And she talks about the importance of, of creating this vision, which early on, as early as you can in the selling process, that... You know that then becomes sort of the the light they're continually attracted to as they move mm. through the the sales process, and failure to do that, you know, has has a price that you you know they lose interest over a period of time, the momentum dies out, and so on. So, I, two key things you know sort of I took away that I, just the way she expressed it, I thought was was great and a good book for people to jump into, especially I said if they've got a complex product they sell. Well, Andy, thank you for providing me my uh, reading list going forward. I'm going to have to get on a plane or something so that I've got a good long time to be able to read them. But I love, I love that we share books. I mean, they're also everybody. Everybody doesn't consume information in the same way, and I think sort of going back to the beginning of of this uh, session, it's. However it is that you want to consume it, be it books, uh, podcasts, videos, um, God, there's, I, I know but people through their Twitter feed, whatever it is, I think the, the real lesson or the point here is just to continue to be curious and increase your knowledge and, you know, be looking at different ways to learn from different experts and people out there. There's just a tremendous amount of information and things we can learn from it's um it, for me if i had all the time in the world i i think i would just read all day i i love learning new things mm-hmm. and and reading happens to be my preferred method of ingesting yeah yeah absolutely and just briefly I'll, one closing plug is as i mentioned before is i i also love reading poetry and ah, yes and so I'm going to start recommending some poetry books for people to read. The first one here we'll talk about just briefly is uh, it's called Passing Through. It's a collection of poems by a gentleman named Stanley Kunitz, K-U-N-I-T-Z, who's passed away. But what's so inspirational, he was one of the great American poets. But mm. this book was written when he was in his 80s. Ah. And it was a National Book Award winner. Um, so for people thinking, gosh, and we sort of talked about this earlier with career, is that you talk to the book Encore. Well, you know, we've always had this vision that, you know, we lose our creativity, our mojo mm. as we get older. You know, we've mm. got to 
optimize that when we're in our thirties and forties. And you know, reading this beautiful book of verse or book of beautiful verse, excuse me, is is um it was written by Jump in his eighties, early nineties. I think he lived to be ninety mid nineties. Just hugely inspirational because just the the nimbleness of the mind and use of the words and and I think for salespeople you know part of the importance of reading poetry is is it gives you insights into better ways to express yourself mm. that can get your point across that help customers see more clearly what it is you're speaking about and uh, this is a great place for people to start if they're interested in sort of dipping their toe into the poetry pool. I think that's that's another one I'm going to add on my uh, put on my list. It's not available on Kindle, just FYI. So all right, yeah, all right, good to, to know. Have to lug right. it around with you, but it's a slim volume. So okay, Bridget, wonderful. As always, great to speak speak with you and spend some time with you on Fridays. Likewise, I look forward to the next one. Yeah, and friends, thank you for spending your time with us and. As we mentioned earlier in the episode, if you have a question, please send it in, andy at zerotimeselling.com. And well, I said we'll answer at least one question every episode. And thank you again for joining us and talk to you next week. Wonderful. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.